you know, I was in medical school and residency and, and fellowship. And there are a lot of different options, you know, for residency. And you don't totally get to choose because of the match system where you interview places and then they, you rank them and they rank you. But you have kind of a say to a certain degree, at least where you go interview and, and how you rank things. When I focused on kind of ranking residency programs, I made sure that going to a place that would train me well was was obviously very important. If I didn't think a place would provide me with good training, I wouldn't rank it highly. That's 1A. But 1B was also, is it a place where we can happily raise our family in terms of, is it going to be like in the middle of Manhattan and we're going to have to live in a cardboard box? Right. Or can we have some space where our kids can run around and play? And right. will I have to commute a lot or can I just be 10 minutes away from work and be able to, you know, once work's over? Over, I could not have to spend you know, an hour of time that could be spent with my family in the car instead. All those things played a factor and you know, it definitely influenced where we ended up. You know, maybe I would have ranked certain places higher or focused on other types of programs, but I tried to kind of play a balance between getting the training and the experience that I needed to get where I wanted to be while also providing the kind of life that we wanted to have. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that stuff. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Here we are. We are back, 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 back again. <laughs> What is your problem? I could have taken another octave higher. No. We could have just, just kept going. to stop. I feel like this is one of those days where, I don't know, I was just thinking as I was reaching upper level octagons. No. What? What do you say? Octaves. Octaves. I don't even sing. And you're I saying. Was, I was thinking maybe I should sing the song I sang to you at our wedding. No. <laughs> no. What do you think? And you said octagon. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere between singing and Ultimate Fighting Champions, that's where I am. Oh my gosh, the quarantine is making us crazy. So you don't want me to sing to you right now? No. I feel like the, I feel like the people want this. Oh. Don't you think? You are the love of my life. No, that's a, that's it. That's all I got. Oh my gosh. The you reason said why I stopped, said. I stopped because the next line I already forgot. There's two different. I'm so glad I found you. And I'm so glad. I found you. I thought it was like I thought it was like you found me. Man, no. it's been a minute. Oh, you're bad. But I think just even even those few words I said just brought us closer sing, together. Yeah. You Sometimes you just I don't know about that. Gotta sing it out, you know? No. Speaking of which, I've we've been watching Songland. That show's awesome. <laughs> I when I watch it, it makes me want to be a songwriter. <laughs> You are all if, over the place. If you today. have not watched that show, and, and if you have, you're gonna be like, I agree, Jeff. I think I don't think I'm as good as them, but I feel like I got a song with them. <laughs> I think I actually that's actually a deep belief I have that everyone has a song within them that is meant to be written and shared. Okay. I wonder if songwriters think that way. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> they just make money doing Do it. Do you feel like you have a song within you? Oh. I can't even. I think it's called I Roll My Eyes at You. I seriously am. <laughs> cannot take this. You I got today. lots of songs in me. That is a goal I have in life is to write a song and have it be. This is a whole new uh, new goal. The new goal. I'm sharing it with the world. It's coming to life. I want to write a new song 
that will be played on the radio someday? Oh my goodness. I do not even know. I've been having a lot of ideas during Corona. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to call it coronavirus anymore. I'm going to call it Corona ideas. Um, 19. You have so many <laughs> every day. I'm like, don't you love it? How many more? He's don't got new it? businesses. He's got all the things. If right I now. only had 20 million, if I had a million dollars. Okay. Can we talk about our interview? Can we get to the interview already? You're taking forever. <laughs> Do you guys hear what I have to deal with like every day? Just get to the interview. All right. <laughs> Today we have a couple, Kayla and Steven Tersigny. And, you know, they have some interesting insights. They, uh, first of all, Steven is a refractive surgeon, which means. Let's be honest. I have no idea what that means. Vision correction. Exactly. Like LASIK surgery, yeah. like, but he's one of the world's first. Certified light adjustable lens surgeons. Oh, I see what That's you did there. That's a big deal. I see what you did there. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're so bad. <laughs> uh, and so he it works with Brinton Vision, and you can look them up at brintonvision.com if you are interested in vision correction. And they have lots of sites, so you can check them out. Yeah. But they have very interesting things. One of the things that I thought is, first of all, they have five children and have been married for 14 years. And we found out that they have had 18 moves in the last 14 years. And each of their children have been born in a different state. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, this is an interesting interview to think about when you're married to someone and their job impacts what you do, where you live, where you go. And you Everything. don't and you don't really have that much of a say. You kinda You don't have the con- any control. You don't have control that. over that. Yeah. And it's hard. We've we've experienced that with some friends and that are in a- athletics. Um, but this is part of it. He's in the medical field and um, it's a similar thing going through residency and picking where you go. He didn't even even really have that much of a say of where he went. So this is all part of that uh, tension in love and work. It really hits home. Yeah. So what are the three things that we need to be listening for? Three things. Number one, low expectations. They'll explain that. Number two, marrying the babysitter. Yes, that's a fun story. That's a little risky. (laughs) And number three, triage in families. How to apply triage to your family philosophy. There you go. I love it. I'm surprised you haven't brought that up in our family before. Um, or maybe you think I think it, you just it in it. my head every day. I'm not even sure if I know how to spell triage. Let's be honest. <laughs> every time something medical terminology or anything comes up, Jeff's like, I'm out. Hey, I don't I, know. I got to tell I don't know. You got to tell the story about the time when you told me to take a Tylenol. Yeah. So I told him there's this bottle of Tylenol up there in the cupboard, Jeff, grab it and just take two of those. And so he pulls out the bottle. There was only one bottle. There was only one bottle. And he turns and looks at it. No. And he says- No, no, no. This is not how the story went. I'm going to repeat. I'm going to tell you what happened. I I took- There's one bottle in the the (laughs) cupboard. And I took how many- You told me to take like three pills. No, I'm- No, this is a two-part story. This is a two-part story. I'm telling the truth. The first part was you told me to take three pills. I thought it was Tylenol. I take three pills. About 20 minutes later, I am passed out on the couch. And apparently, I took three Benadryl. 
yeah. because I didn't really look at the bottle. I just took your word for it. I trust you. You're my medical, you're my person, right? So then she realized she goes to look at it and she says, you took Benadryl? That puts you to sleep. Okay, so then it was a couple weeks later. I'm like, I have a headache. And she's like, take some Tylenol. I'm like, last time I took Tylenol, I was passed out on the couch because I didn't know what to do. She's like, okay, go go pull out, <laughs> pull out the bottle and read it to me. And I did what anyone would do that tell is me, not a medical Tell me how you read that bottle of Tylenol. You said, what does this say? And this is... This drives me crazy. The medical professionals always buy the not like the generic generic things because they know what it is, thinking that everyone in their family has it, but they don't. <laughs> None <laughs> of us know what these words mean, <laughs> how to pronounce them or anything. Tell me you what say get Tylenol. I pull a bottle out and I read acetaminophen. <laughs> now, a bunch of people listening to this are gonna go, oh, I know what that is. Acetaminophen. First of all, it's called acetaminophen, which you, is Tylenol. Right. Or Jeff and your acetaminophen. Needless to say, I should. Ne- if anyone ever <laughs> needs to borrow pills from me, do not take them. Not I would be the worst drug dealer t- ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that note, we wow. are so thankful. Speaking of triage and family. For Kayla and Steven. Here we go. We're in a small town in Oregon called Coos Bay. We both grew up there on the coast of Oregon. We first we met, met in like fifth grade. fifth grade at a track meet. And, and I thought she, thought, she was, I was a punk. thought she was really annoying. She babysat my little brother, actually. Yeah. I played football in high school. And when I'd go to football games, she would come and watch my little brother. And that uh, married there. babysitter. Yeah, not my babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did something happen when there was a babysitting moment? No, so she babysat my little brother. That's how we initially met. And we started hanging out in, in high school, kind of dated. And then uh, we went off in kind of different directions school-wise for a while. We dated different people, but she was always, there was something just special and different with her. And we just kept in touch. And I, I went on a two-year mission for my church. I was gone for those two years. We still kept in touch. Uh, and then when I came back, we reconnected. And pretty soon after that, I, I knew that she was the... Like crazy soon. She, I knew she was the one I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And so I surprised her and <laughs> asked her to marry me. And she, she said yes. Wait, so how soon is this? You said crazy soon. How soon is this? I always tell people that if it wasn't us, I would make one of us for it. So he got back February 22nd. We lived in two different towns, two hours apart, and I was in school full time. So we saw each other on weekends and he proposed three weeks later. What? (laughs) We had known each other for a long time before that. But it's not like we were like, oh yeah. And you said yes right away or were you like... I did. But when he asked my dad, (laughs) my dad was like, are you sure she wants to? (laughs) So that's always good. And when I told everyone, I mean, I was at the end of my program, my undergraduate program. So I knew everyone. And they were like, who are you engaged to? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what? (laughs) Were you even dating? Yeah. So we got engaged really fast. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, she had just finished undergrad. I hadn't finished undergrad yeah. yet. I so graduated we, five days worth or something. So we've kind of been raising our family together through my whole education experience yeah. and kind of doing everything together the whole we way along. Kind of grew up together. Yeah. Okay. So you guys were still in undergrad is yep. what I'm understanding. So you got married. He had like barely started. I had a, I had a year done. Got married. 
How old were you? 21. I graduated a year early and he went to school for a while and then was gone for two years on his mission. So, yeah. So did that make like some hard first years? I mean, Um, I feel like it wasn't harder. It wasn't very long before we had a kid. It wasn't harder. (laughs) I feel like we're both pretty, we we go both very laid back and we get along really well. And I don't feel like it was like there are a lot of issues and problems because we got married early. And so now you have, is it five kids? Five kids, yep. Five kids. And you've been married for how many years? Almost 14. 14. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. Amazing. And this, the ages, uh, how, what are the ages of your kids? Our oldest is 12 and our youngest is two. So you did have a kid pretty quickly in your yeah, marriage. We did. Was that planned? Was that intentional? Or was that something you wanted? When we first got married, we weren't like, yeah, let's have a kid right away. But you know, early on, we just kind of felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, let's I, do this. Yeah. I remember we were in, in an apartment complex and I was laying in my bed one day and the people above us had a, a new baby. It was like nine o'clock in the morning and this baby upstairs was screaming and I just got this feeling like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, want-, I, want, I want that too. <laughs> Most people would be birth control, but... <laughs> That's very funny. And so have you always wanted a big family in terms of now five kids later? I mean, I think get out like, yeah, I want to have this kids. It was just like, oh, I like this. Yeah. Doing this. This uh, Yeah. At at each point, we're like, should we have another kid? And uh, like, yeah, let's I think that's that's the right thing. So did kids derail plans? I mean, I'm sure you said you were both undergrad, you're working towards careers, I'm guessing. How did that throw in the mix of work and what you thought? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes everything more complicated, more complicated and difficult. You know, it's kind of a enjoy the journey type of thing and not just like look at what the focus on only what the end goal is. You, know, you have an end goal and this is where we want to be and end up and do, but let's also enjoy the route it takes to get there. Maybe opportunities that maybe we either had to put off or... I mean, not, I stopped working yeah. when we had Thomas. I was working full time. Yeah, or not focus as, as much on at a certain point in time because we had kids. But to us, kind of have to determine what you want to optimize around. The most important thing to us is our family. That doesn't mean that we shirk the other responsibilities and things we focus on in our but lives. That's how but we make the decisions. Yeah. If we want to do this thing. Will this work? It's how yeah. do we unpack that? I want to hear more about that. You said, like, you just said, how does this affect the family? Like, how you make decisions? Play that out for us. Like, if we're thinking about a move, which we've done so many times, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, here's this place that we could go. How will this work with kids? Yeah. How will this affect, you know, their, their schooling wise or, you know, our lifestyle. their lifestyle. What what's the situation we're going to be living in? You know, I was in medical school and residency and and fellowship. And there are a lot of different options. You know, for residency, and you don't totally get to choose because of the match system where you interview places and then they you rank them and they rank you. But you have kind of a say to a certain degree, at least where you go interview and and how you rank things. When I focused on kind of ranking residency programs, I made sure that going to a place that would train me well was was obviously very important. If I didn't think a place would provide me with good training, I wouldn't rank it highly. That's 1A. But 1B was also, is it a place where we can happily raise our family in terms of, is it going to be like in the middle of Manhattan and we're going to have to live in a cardboard box? Right. Or can we have some space where kids can run around and play? And right. will I have to commute a lot or can I just be 10 minutes away from work and be able to, you know, once work's over, I could not have to spend an hour of time that could be spent with my family in the car instead. 
all those things played a factor and, you know, it definitely influenced where we ended up. You know, maybe I would have ranked certain places higher or focused on other types of programs, but I tried to kind of play a balance between getting the training and the experience that I needed to get where I wanted to be while also providing the kind of life that we wanted to have. And Kayla, how has that felt for you? Because I mean, I understand medical school and residency and all that. It definitely is a life revolved around somebody else's career. Yeah. How does that play out for you? Was that hard for you to let go of your own career? I stopped working when way before medical school. We stopped working yeah. when I had our when we had our oldest, which was we were like halfway through. Yeah. Right? So you were teaching. I was okay. teaching full time at a my undergrads in special education, but I was teaching at like a treatment center for kids. So I stopped working, stayed home with our oldest. But then honestly, I think I, if you hadn't had kids, I probably would have just kept working. But because I had a baby and we were home, I was like, what else could I do? How about I'll go back to school? <laughs> Let's apply to this graduate program. So I did that when he was nine. Yeah. So we started that. And Stephen was still in his undergrad program. We were living in Oregon. I remember I would put my son on like a little seat on the back of the bike and like ride to campus and we would switch off and like leave him with the baby. I would go to class. He would take the baby home on the bus and then I would like ride my bike back and that was like totally normal. Sometimes I would bring him to class with me. We would coordinate our class schedules to like, okay, we can switch the baby off after this class. And so we, we try to make it so there's nothing overlapping. I remember I would say, I'm going to do this unless it doesn't work. And there was never a time that it didn't work. So I'm like, I guess we're doing it. So, I mean, we never had to get childcare or anything. We, we couldn't have afforded it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. I mean, it's hard in that moving a lot when you don't get to choose where you're going is hard, especially have kids. Residency wasn't easy. I don't feel like medical school is that hard, but I think for it's you. because, I mean, for me, <laughs> I mean, schedule, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. You were home. Yeah. He actually didn't go to class a lot. Just you just, would. Medical school, you can study on your own. Yeah. He would just stay home. You just get the notes. Yeah. But it is hard in that he was not home a lot in residency when we lived in Buffalo. And we had we had four kids. We had our fifth in (laughs) Buffalo. So, I mean, it's hard. He wasn't home a lot. And I was homeschooling. I was pregnant. I was in the middle of a PhD program. I mean, it's rough. Our kids ate a lot of mac and cheese. Yeah. So in in the middle of of residency, this time where she's saying it it was really hard, she decided to start a a PhD program. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I found it. I was looking online for, I'm like, I want to do something that's like mine, something that I have me. And I really don't think I would have done this had I not had little kids and like had all this going on where I felt like I needed something separate for myself. But I was looking for just some sort of certificate program, something to maybe, I don't know, make sure my license is current or something. And I found this program and I was just like, this is, I want to do this thing. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, do that. That sounds great. Let's add some more on top of that. <laughs> So wait, so do you have your PhD now? Are you in it or what do you? working on it right now. What will it? It's an education. So I'm curious, like, uh, you know, you kind of talked about these seasons where like residency is hard. He goes away. He's basically like gone for a season, right? Like you kind of see him at times. Kind of a single mom. Kind of a single. I didn't want to say that. I wanted you to say (laughs) you start feeling like a single mom. And all of a sudden he comes back one day. Yes. Like how, talk to us about that kind of, I don't know if you call it re-entry or like, re, like yeah. how you guys reconnect together. How did you, and then how did he connect with the family? Like how did, how did those transitions happen? I feel like Steven's always been really good at being home when he's home. 
I feel like really good at that. Yeah. There are definitely times though when he comes in and I'm like, he's out. I got to go somewhere else. Like you just need a break when he finally. I need to yeah. walk down Target or anything else. <laughs> in and I'm like, it's nine o'clock. I'll be back in a while. That's so true. Walk around Target is such a true. I just need someone that's open that I can be by myself. <laughs> and I mean, that's reality, right? Yeah. But I feel like now that he's home, I mean, you have more goal over your life. It's it's great. Nice. Because I can be like, um, you know that you're going to be home on Wednesday. I need you. You're going to teach the kids Latin and history. And I'm going to be upstairs by myself. I feel like the transition to you being home more has been... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always pretty easy to have more people. Yeah. <laughs> but during those years of him not being home, there wasn't a lot of like date nights and stuff. It's just so hard. And that was also uh, co- coincided with the time. So right now with, with a 12-year-old, we can... Oh yeah, we can it's leave. A glorious face. We can leave them. We don't have to get a babysitter. We can just leave them and say, "Okay, just watch the movie while we're gone. We'll be back in a couple hours." I mean, we put the little kids. Call right? us if something happens. But during residency, that was also the time where, like, we had little kids. We had little kids, and if we wanted to go, you had to get a babysitter. You no, know, yeah. thousands of miles away from anyone we're related to. And as a as on a resident salary. Which you know isn't terrible, but when you have five kids already, it's it gets stretched thin. Paying money for a babysitter just didn't make sense most of the time. We so. would do like date switch yeah. with family with friend though. We just didn't get to go out a lot uh, by yeah, ourselves. Really the timing of a, having a kid that can babysit for us that's built in, uh, as well as having more time now. Now I think kind of abuse it. Like, We're promoting having kids early, so you have a babysitter when thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> so, what piece of advice if you if for our listeners who are in that? phase and stage of small children, one person traveling a lot or working a lot, what piece of advice would you give? How about that mom? And then also just that couple for staying connected. I think a couple couple things that can be, I think, helpful is one, uh, having low expectations. It's true. <laughs> uh, you plan on him not being home and just, it'll be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like not waiting by the door. I yeah. think that when people get most upset is when they have a certain expectation that their partner or spouse didn't live up to. Whereas if you you know understand that, you know, I just have, and I don't want to say like sell yourself short, but um, just yeah, in a way, if you, if you have lower expectations in terms of just plan on, on the person not being able to, to make it. And if they can, great. It makes, you know, yeah. it's, it's that much better. And we, I do the same thing. You know, with when I'm talking to patients, you try to, you always try to not, the idea is kind of under, under promise and over deliver. If someone has cataracts and they're going to have cataract surgery, I always tell them, hey, you're not going to see, you know, it's not going to be the same as when you were 20 because your eyes have aged. You're going to see a lot better. But if I were to promise them, hey, you're, you're going to have the best vision ever that you've ever had in your entire life. It's going to be so awesome. And then it's like, oh, I, I saw better when I was 20. They're going to be disappointed. Whereas if you kind of under promise and over deliver, People just end up being much happier. I didn't grow up. I wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to be an eye doctor. And that's my, you know, yeah. even going into medical school, that's not what I thought I was going to be doing. My dad is a general surgeon. What kind of led me to go to medical school was kind of wanting to do what he did. I liked the idea of him, you know, like fixing problems for people and doing it in a very kind of objective way. That was kind of the general concept. But then when I got into like my general surgery rotation, I was like, ah, there are a lot of aspects about this that I don't like. I like this aspect of it that is about, you know, fixing problems for people, surgery, but there are a lot of other aspects that I don't like. And some of them were because they didn't jive well with how I wanted my family life to be. And I kind of stumbled or happened upon ophthalmology. I had a friend who was 
finishing his residency training uh, kind of across the street at LSU at the time. He just recommended I try it. And so I did. And I just kind of it just checked off all the boxes for what I wanted to be doing. You know, you were fixing problems for people in a very, you know, objective way and you were doing it. And you know, a lot of it was like almost instant gratification and people were super happy. Um, you're really changing people's lives through that. It turned out to be more in line with what I wanted, what I kind of had a passion for than even what I thought I had originally wanted. If we wouldn't have had kids yeah. during that time period, I wouldn't have thought as much about while I was going through rotations and deciding what specialty, I wouldn't have thought about these other things, like how it affects my family life that maybe led me away from general surgery to something that was even more in line with what kind of my passion were, I guess. Yeah. So they worked together and helped kind of, I had an overall kind of amorphous idea of what that was. And then my life around that kind of helped refine what that turned out to be. All right. Well, I think we're down to our last question that we ask everybody. <laughs> Is it possible to change the world, stay in love and raise a healthy family? No. Just, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We get no's. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. It takes patience and you, you have to always balance things and be flexible. And, you know, maybe some things will be more heavily emphasized at certain points, but I think it's possible to do kind of put all those things together. Yeah. I'd say it's possible too. As long as you don't go into it thinking, I'm going to do everything that I want to do in exactly this order. And this is how it's going to play out. And this is what we like. I think you have to go into it knowing that who you are is going to change. And that's good. That's how it's supposed to be. And what you want and what you value is going to change based on all these other experiences with your spouse and your kids. I've heard people mourn the loss of their child self, which I totally understand. But I don't feel like I want to be 20-year-old Kayla without kids, even though she did spend a lot of time in coffee shops reading by herself. <laughs> I like that I <laughs> that person and I added, okay, now I have this new layer. I have kids and I have these experiences and now I have that person plus these new values and these new goals and you kind of you know, mold into a new version of yourself and I thought that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Now it's time for the breakdown. We are rolling. Yes. So. I'm, I'm here with Dr. Dre. <laughs> and what do you think about that triage, Jeff? I mean, I don't really even know how to even categorize it. How do you, how do you decide? I mean, how do you, gotta, you decide between he a heart attack to, and a broken leg? He said you have to let some things go. I'm like, let's. Because if all, you were the person with that cut on your leg, you'd be screaming. If I had five kids in this house and I had to deal with all that, I would. I would fall off the wagon. I would just be, I couldn't do it. I'd have to have someone live with us all the time. But we, we definitely understand the idea of letting some things go. Like when things are crazy, when things are busy seasons, when we got to let some things go. Kind of compartmentalized. And simplified. for us, we agree, it's also usually the laundry. It really, really is. <laughs> well, kind of. I'm really good at starting the laundry we all know this oh, but and you never finish yeah, and then it's the stuck problem. in the washer with the smell yeah. jeff you never move it over no that was great i mean i, th <laughs> I thought i could visualize that triaging and it kind of stressed me out a little bit but i get it <laughs> i also really like she said this kind of off the cuff but she just said um this idea of i'm gonna do this until it doesn't work mm. 
And I really like that idea just in general for like all of life is just that idea to allow ourselves the ability to stop, reevaluate, edit, make a change and say, you know what? I thought I was going to do it, but it's not working. Yeah. I think it's interesting when she was sharing about this romanticism, she didn't say that, but basically like going to a coffee shop by myself and reading a book for three hours, like on one hand, it sounds amazing, but um, right now it sounds really amazing. But it's not really, ultimately, it's not really that attractive. Like it would be fun for one day, but if you did that every day and you didn't have these kids in your in our lives, and it wouldn't be real. Like this is life now, and and we're grateful for that, you know. And I think she was kind of alluding to that. Like on one hand, it seems it seems like a better scenario, but it's probably not really. Well, and I think that for anybody, it's like the grass is always greener, right? So you can be without kids thinking one thing. You can be with kids. Well, I'm just saying like you can, I'm just, I'm even relating this to maybe people who don't have kids right now and want kids. Right. And can't have kids. They can't be in that moment. And it's where this at. idea that it would be so much better if they had kids. Okay. You know, like so. I think you can do that for like literally any stage and phase of life. I think you're right. And so I'm not. I'm just trying to include all people into this conversation. Yeah, it's kind of like the grass is always greener. <laughs> You're such a jerk. Uh, this has been great. It is so good to meet Stephen and Kayla as they're, who knows? By the time they we interviewed them. They might have moved again. And yeah, when this came out, they might, this might be a 19th move. You never know. You never know. That's a lot of moves though. I mean, I got moves too. Are we going to turn this into a dance thing? Or? <laughs> no, no. Not uh, one bit. I hope you're having a good day, good time, good time with your family and with your closest partner. If you haven't taken a second to download our free resource, a stay at home date night, we're calling home together. You can go to loverwork.com and you'll see it right on the homepage or loverwork.com slash date. And yeah, you can download it for free. Have a really fun night with the person that you love. We got some crazy ideas in there. Um, Some sexy ideas too. (laughs) (laughs) Some funny things, some great questions. I want to highly recommend it to you. Uh, Go to loverwork.com and download that today. And it's free. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. That's another episode of Love Love or Work. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.